lift you up. You're worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. So we honor you and we love you and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So we're going to talk about the good work that God's doing in all of us. Amen. It's a good work. The work that God is doing in all of us is a good work. Anytime you're a work in progress and you don't even notice you're being worked on, it's a good work. Amen. And so many times God's work is of such high quality that we don't even know we're being worked on. See, if you went to the doctor, say you went and you had to have surgery, the surgeon would prep you you know what's going on you get the quiz you get the um, they interview you you have to sign your papers they have to give you some medication or some other kind of intervention prior to uh, the surgery so you're aware every step of the way and then after the surgery you have to recover none of it's guaranteed to work But God is the only one who is doing a work in us that is guaranteed to work. What he is doing in each and every one of us is guaranteed to work. Amen. When you have a work going on in you that's guaranteed to work, it makes it a good work. Amen. So that's why the scripture tells us that. Let me turn to it so we can see it. Philippians 1 6 in uh, verse 3 Paul starts out by saying I thank my God every time I remember you that's a high level of ministry that he has amen that he can thank God every time he remembers the people in his ministry in all my prayers for all of you I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So what brings him joy is their faithfulness. What brings God joy is our faithfulness. What brings pastors joy is congregations faithfulness. They know they can depend on you. You know, we're all in this together. Don't ever see leadership as your enemy, as adversarial. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just so poor. To, to think that way and it, it doesn't take any effort whatsoever to think negatively about people it takes an effort to look for good to see good and to know good and so he says because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now he said being confident of this so there's some qualifications now for paul to be confident in some things that he can can say about this congregation and it is this he says being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it out unto completion until the day of christ jesus so he's confident that they're involved in a good work And that Jesus is the one who began this good work in them. And that Jesus will complete that good work in them until the day that he returns to take them up or the day that they go to heaven. 
And I believe the good work, the transformation process continues even after we get to heaven. You get there and you continue to learn about God. Where things are are revealed fully now because there's no veil of the flesh uh, keeping keeping you back from having the fullness of the understanding of God. Uh, when I say that, I really mean that because if you think about, say, times when God has shown you things, um, for instance, if you're in the Word and and God, uh, you ever have just reading the word and you sense the power of God somewhere in you where the Holy Spirit is giving you a witness to what you just read. Or sometimes it, you know, it's, it's different depending on who you are and how you experience things. Um, sometimes, uh, people, some of the, let me put it this way. Some of the things that we, we observe, in people and their response to God. Sometimes we misunderstand and misinterpret what we're seeing. Um, for instance, I'll give you a good for instance. We've all had some some contact or some experience in the Baptist church. And we'll see people who we think and who look to be emotional, overly emotional, um, out of order, um, and many times it is that I'm not saying what well, you're, you're, you're a bad person cause you see it this way. But when you think about what might be going on, then you might have a different understanding of things because for one thing, the power of God has an effect on human flesh. So if you say, if you're reading the word and you all of a sudden, sometimes we feel like a flash of light that goes through us where God enlightens it and, and, and puts a lightness in us and puts a perception in us that we didn't have before. But it comes and it goes. Now, think about it. It doesn't just stay on you. Say, for instance, if you're reading the word and, and, and God ministers that word and, and you come away with the impression Oh, I'm gonna have to remember that because that that's that was good. You know, God told me something there. He was He wants me to remember this, or you'll grab it as your own. That happened and and it stopped. There are many times people experience, say, like in the Baptist church, they will open themselves up to God. And because they don't have understanding, which we all lack it, I'm not putting them down, I'm not calling them ignorant, stupid, or ghetto, or no, whatever term you want to put on stuff. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying spiritual things are very, very different, difficult to understand, comprehend, and interpret. They are also very difficult to capsulize and to grab onto. It's like, now honey, you're going to have to move them over there. Go over there and sit with your kids, okay, baby? Because they're moving too much for Baba to stay on track here. I'm trying to, yeah. So now don't be sorry. Just, you know what I'm saying. It's, it's complicated. That's what I'm trying to get across to everybody here today. And so if you, if you understand what we're trying to do is because we have a spirit in here that's born of the spirit of God, it hungers to be fed the things of God. Yeah. 
And when you start to reach out for feeding, God feeds you. But just like your babies, when they can only take bottled milk, you can only give them so much. Even sometimes we, you know, I remember in my family, we had greedy babies. We, <laughs> babies, <laughs> you know, most of my experience came from watching Pastor Shirley. I think they were normal babies. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, she would say, Oh, this baby greedy, greedy. You know, they, they'd eat so fast and so much. They get gas, taking a lot of air. They get gas in there. You got to burp them. They get colicky and all that kind of stuff. Well, God is not going to go through that problem with us in feeding us. He will feed us just enough to give us a glimpse of what he has for us and we're to take that and and let that feed us you know meditate on it let that nurture us but then we have a reaction to it because we want more because that hunger inside of you says i want more i demand more i want to take it all in now but your flesh cannot hold up on the the impact of great spiritual impartation to you so you have to get it a little bit at a time now when the baptist people get it they are so emotionally responding to it they'll shout and they'll and and, in an attempt to keep that going they shout all the more you understand what i'm saying some of them shout when there's no impartation because they don't understand maybe if i shout i'll get something do you understand what I'm saying? And there's scripture to validate this stuff. And so this this business of getting God, getting more of God is, is a very uh, difficult business to understand when we have reactions to them. If God gave us everything we craved for when we crave for it, he we would leave this earth and just be caught up with him because we'd be not like Enoch. We just don't want to go home today, God. I'm just, you know, I'm enjoying this so much. I ain't going home today. And so in the, but that, like Paul said, it's expedient for me to stay here with you. But I long to go and be with Christ. We're trying to shed this this earth suit as quickly as we can because it gets us in trouble. Everybody that's saved knows we could have a, a life that we could could enjoy uh, if we could just get used to being close to God and not have the cravings of the body driving drown us another direction too and we can stay in this flow and in this vein it's really a a a kind of a little dance we do to try to stay in the flow and vein of god but also be able to function down here i i would have periods of time sometimes i i just thought it was terrible that i had to talk to people and i love people y'all don't get me wrong but it takes you out of such a flow of God sometimes that you and you want to stay in that flow and then you at some point you get distracted from something that because you want to do something and dang you done broke it again you know you broke that connection again where if I could just stay here and love being here the way I'm supposed to stay here and love being here then the next time you get a chance to be alone with God, you worship and knock your brains out and try to focus and get back in that zone again that you were in the last time you was really in that zone and how you felt you're trying to capture that back again. And so 
I say that to say that the relationship that we have with God is something that he is working on teaching us and helping us to cultivate a relationship that he died to provide for us. He wants us to have it bad and we want to have it bad, but he wants us to have it more than we want to have it. And so everything that you see and do, spiritually speaking, is all a part of this process where he is doing a good work. It's a good work. It's not, it's not to be frustrating or tedious or, or anything like that. It's a good work, but you gotta understand what you're up against having to deal with your flesh, with your soul and your flesh and your body and the distractions of the world and the enemy pulling at you. And all the while God is doing the work in you and you barely know it's going on. See, he wants us to barely know what's going on. So it's not a major disturbance to us what he's doing. We don't have complaint about it and wish we hadn't got saved because before I got saved, I didn't have all this trouble with these people I work for. You understand? He's got to help us recover from that kind of nonsense that we go through. And so when you think about it, for him to be able to bring us into a, a place where he wants us to be without it causing stress in our life is a major, major thing. And so he has to orchestrate things a certain way for us so that we'll understand what he's doing, we'll submit to it, we'll know it's a good work, we'll agree with what he's doing, and we'll do what he expects us to do in this process. So we're in process and progress. Amen. We're a work in progress and process. Amen. It's a good work because God is doing something in us and that is to conform us to the image of Christ. Ephesians 5, if you'll go there, Ephesians 5:27. It says here Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. Huh? A man who says he hates his wife really hates himself. You understand what I'm saying? It just, you don't, you don't hate your own body. So there's some conflict he has in him, but he's acting it out that way. Anyway, huh? you'll see men, they, they dearly love their wives, but they hate to let it be known. <laughs> well, that was funny in a way. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, right. I know that's right, girl. Huh? They don't. Oh. Hide the money. Listen, I don't want to go down that street. I could stay down there all day long. I'm not going to go there today. I'm going to skip that, skip that installment, you know, but they don't want it known. Why? Because their flesh won't let them. See, your flesh doesn't want you to be honest with yourself. Your flesh never wants to admit its vulnerability. 
in the back of a man's mind, he's thinking, if I let her know, what's she going to do? See, knowledge is power. And if you know he loves you, the reason men want to hide their money is because they know they love you enough to give it all to you. Now tell me. That's what I'm talking about. Huh? (laughs) Amen. It is true. What? If he loves you like he loves his own body, what would he do for himself? Huh? He'd do the same thing for you. Well, I hope that, write that down then. Go ahead and make a note or two. Write it down. So when the devil comes to you and say he don't love you no more, you can tell him what a liar he is. Huh? I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, that man loves me. Huh? And Poppy said, See, got a witness, got a witness. Huh? <laughs> Sometimes, even though they don't like what you do, they love you. I mean, that's just really common with people. Huh? They'll give you all a whole list of can't. Can't cook, can't do but I love her. Huh? It's true. Because they don't go nowhere. Ah, oh, let me let me get back in my Bible. Oops, Bible upside down. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah. So, so Christ loves us even more than that. His love for us is similar to the way a man loves. When I'm, oh Lord, don't let me get on that one. Percy Sledge. All them old backsliders out the church singing like that. You don't sing with all your might for people. You you know that comes from a late, well that's even another different story. But anyway, after all, no one ever hated their own body. So Jesus loves us like that even more. But he feeds and nurtures us and cares for us. Why? Because he wants to improve us. He wants to present us to himself spotless. That means the way he created us from the beginning, he wants us to return that way. So that's a work in progress, a work in process. Jesus has compassion on us because of the losses that we've suffered through sin and through degradation and all those things that happen to us, not just personally, but as a as a people as a a as humanity has suffered so he wants to restore us to his original intent of what he had in mind when he created us from the beginning and and that's just normal that's that's what's being a faithful creator so god is completing a good work in us because it was begun in the creation at the beginning and so if we are 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 believers of christ he is working on us at all times. Amen. Um, in, let me see, Genesis 1, verse 27. Hello out in the, uh, out in the hallway. Keep it down, please. Thank you. 
Amen. In Genesis 1, in verse 27, we'll go there. The deception the enemy has placed over us is a uh, battle of the sexes when we're both created in God's image. One's not created better than the other. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God created he them, male and female created he them. He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, but not over each other. And over every living creature that moves on the earth. Now, when when God said to to rule over, it means ruling means responsibility. When when we talk about rulership and leadership, it's not some kind of perverted idea of misusing people or misusing uh uh, the creation, you know, the earth, the animals, anything like that. When he said to have dominion over them, rule, he said, this is your responsibility. I put you responsible for all the, the living creatures in the earth. I put you responsible for those things under my authority, not under your crazy head. The environmentalists and green people and all these people, if they're not hearing from God, they have no right to rule and reign. You got me? Your rights to rule and reign come from your God-given abilities, your God-given uh, um, mandate, everything from God. And the only way it's going to work is if you let God rule in your life. You can't, you can't make it across your, your, living room floor without stubbing your toe so how are you going to be responsible for everything else without god's help you need his help to get up and walk you understand what i'm saying and so when we think about that and we think about the people who are trying to tell us how to preserve the environment and how to do this and do that they make so many mistakes trying to do it without god and they think because they have organizations and so forth and they can get money to do these things that they have some kind of some kind of edge over everybody else and so god gave mankind under him dominion over all these things the way it's going to be managed correctly and was is when people start letting god develop in them what he's supposed to develop in them see he can develop you to the to the point where your ideas will work your ideas will be productive your ideas will will bear fruit this thing will come to pass be fruitful multiply subdue the earth if you stay under god and let him develop you into that new creation that he has started in you we're just the beginning folks we're not the the end and we haven't got it made and we don't know it all and we get but what we do know he's holding us responsible to do and that is submit to the conformity Submit to him doing his work in us. Submit it to him recreating us in his own image and back to his likeness the way he did. So when he created the male and female in his image, that's all you need to know about uh, uh, feminism. Feminism is godinism. 
if you get yourself under God. You understand? You don't need to go march and and fall out with every man you see and get stupid. Huh? Then you mad because you don't know men like you. Well, you ain't real likable. Like it's their fault or something that you're not likable. You understand what I'm saying? And so when we, when we think about some of the foolish things that we see out here as Christians, and don't get caught up in these movements. You don't, you just need to be moved by God. That's all you really need to get yourself together the right way. You know, let Him do His work in you, and then you can show the world what it's like to to relax at God and to allow God to complete the work he started in you and let them get the benefit and the fruit of God's work in your life. That's the way this is supposed to go. So we have the image of Christ always with us. We were made into his image and his likeness because his spirit lives within us. We have his word to look into and behold so that we have a standard to understand how the transformation process is taking place. So the word of God comes as your standard that you are supposed to adhere to. Where you can do, you do. Where you can't do, you ask God's help. Where you can't do, you let him, you relax and let him work on that. If that's not on the agenda for him to work on with you today, then just consider it not that important right now, but we coming up to that. You know, we're going to get back to it. You understand what I'm saying? And so this process that goes on is a transformation process. I can guarantee you, most of you, if you look looked at yourself the way you were many years ago in Christ and where you are now, you will see a change if you're honest with yourself. And most of us is a change for the good. If you're still walking with God, it's a change for the good. If it's not a change for the good, I can guarantee you, you ain't walking with him no more. Or you think it's good and the devil and deceived you and it's not. But if you're walking with God, that process is taking place anyway. Unless you really start fighting it. You understand what I'm saying? You come into conflict with your own self. Both male and female are created in his image. We said that. First Corinthians 15, 40, 49 tells us we must bear the image of the heavenly man. Just as we have an image in a natural sense, we are also created to conform to the image of the heavenly man. God wants us to treasure what he's done in us and treasure the image of God. Amen. That's why he tells us to love one another because we're all created the same way. We're created in his image right now in this nation. Uh, uh, our constitution is being challenged. Why? Cause God's being challenged. You know, uh, in the preamble, it says, that we hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, you don't even need to debate about this. A self-evident truth. And see, what's happening in the world now, the devil's so perverted, all the truths that used to be self-evident are now being challenged. All the way down the line. 
It used to be that you knew you were a woman or you knew you were a man. Now it's debatable. You can even get a birth certificate that has X on it because you ain't made up your mind yet which one you are. Our Constitution says that there are certain, when they say inalienable rights, it means that you can no more separate this knowledge from a human being is if you could separate them from who they are. This is so inbred in humanity that you can't separate this out of a person. Say, for instance, if I if I took uh, 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 Pastor Shirley and I locked her up in a room somewhere, she'd still want to get free. You understand? It's an alien. I can't separate her from her desire from freedom. And so these things are inalienable. Anybody that's locked up wants to get out. And that's because of this thing that God put in us. They said we're endowed from our creator with these desires and these understandings of who you are. And so when you talk about people and and what they believe, there are certain foundational truths that have to be respected. And this is one of them. See, people don't want to be bound. They want to be free. They're going to find a way to get free. You have tyrants and governments that want to put pressure on people and want to restrict them and bind them. But in the end of it, somebody's want to get out the box. Why? Because God put that in them to want to have life, liberty, and pursue happiness down here on earth. See, God uses that to get us saved. When you find yourself so restricted by your sin and the weight that it puts down on you, you'll start crying out. Everybody who's here that loves God cried out at some point because of that in that God put in you that cannot be alienated and taken out of you. You can't take the desire to live and the desire for freedom out of a person any more than you can just separate them from their soul. Can't do it. And so God put that in us for a purpose, that we would identify with him. And so God identifies, man identifies with God. That's part of the image of God that's in us. The desire for life, the desire for freedom, the desire for expression of who we are, all of that is God-like. That's the God-likeness that's in man. Our problem as human beings is we don't understand enough about God to understand ourselves. But yet we've got people who think they can live life totally happily without God ever intervening. Every time that, you know, they get an opportunity to vote on something, they vote God out of it. Ah, separation of church and state. I mean, they don't even know what that means. You can't, you can might separate church from state, but you can't separate God from people. Huh? Talk to me, somebody. Listen, we're made in God's image. If I go and look in the mirror and I know what I look like, <laughs> put the lipstick way over here. You know what I'm saying? I missed it today, but I know it go there. You understand what I'm saying? You know where stuff goes because you look and you see an image. When you look at God, you may not feel like you measure up 100%, but you'll see some similarities in that. That's what people can't take away from people. That's why even in communist governments where they don't let you have churches and stuff, people still worship and still pray. Why? Because you can't take that away from people. 
that's his image. That's God's image being admired inside of a human being. You admire that thing that you were like. That's that's worship. And God put that in us to always draw us back. You ever get like a good makeup job or somebody arch your eyebrows and they look like you can't stay out that near. I mean, would you? Come on now. You get the dress, the girdle is just right and it ain't pinching too hard. You can. You can breathe and walk around a little bit. You can't, ooh, good today. Let me go park back up in there. Take another look. Uh-huh. That's why people put selfies on the thing every day. They can't get enough of looking at themselves. Huh? Now, just between me and you and the camera, they ain't really looking that good. But they think they are, and that's all that's important. You understand what I'm saying? We don't really measure up totally to Christ, but we're looking pretty good, better than we did when we first got. You understand what I'm saying? So that's how we. That's why we keep looking, huh? Can't separate us. We're just a copy. We're always looking for the original. You know, I see people write books, you were born an original. No, you weren't. You're born a copy. You're looking for the original. It is. Why do you think you love the word so much? You see yourself in there. You say, mm, I ain't there yet, but I like this part over here. Why? Don't we go to the places in the Bible where we cool already? We avoid the places where we don't quite measure up. But you can find us over in the place where we cool. Huh? If it ain't nothing but John 316. Go right back to where we started from. I got that part down pat. Huh? I am born again. Amen. And so we are looking to admire who we came from. Not ourselves. We're looking to admire who we came from. And God uses that to his advantage because he's always able to draw us. If you search your brain for answers, you don't get any. You ask your friend, you go to the altar, don't get any. You can, you know, you can always go back to the word. I go to that word myself. I know I'll find who I am in there. And that's all you're doing. You're finding when you find a promise that fits your problem, you find who you are. You found you've located who you are. I am healed. Huh? Yeah, I thought, oh, wait, wait, I, 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 mm, nothing wrong with me. I am healed. Devil, you're the liar. This is the truth. Amen. This is who I am right now. This is not what God has for me sometime in the great by and by. I'm this right now healed. Amen. So you look at that reflection and you stare at it long enough where you believe it. You gets good to you. You have confidence in it. Don't ever look at something and push it away. You're refusing the, the original. You're refusing to measure up to the image of God. Amen. Amen. And so we need to understand that God is vastly improving 
the image that we behold, that we are. Amen. He's perfect in all of his ways. And he is allowing us to conform to that image, to be conformed to his own image. In, uh, I wanted to show you this, Genesis 9, let me see. Oh, yeah, 9 and verse 6. This is after the flood and God saved eight people on the earth. He says in verse 6, whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. Now, when you kill a human being, God takes that personal. He sees that as you trying to kill him. That's why murder has such a high penalty to it. You you understand? So when you start, it's the same thing the devil got kicked out of heaven for. It's trying to take over God, trying to be bigger than God, trying to kill God, in other words. Take him off of his place. The only way you can do that is to get rid of him. Because God is everything and he's in everything. So this is why murder. And this is why blood guiltiness follows people who commit murder. I don't care what kind of murder it is. I don't care if it's murder of an innocent baby in the womb. I don't care what blood guiltiness follows. Because you have tried to kill God. And killing man who's made in his image. So God takes that personally. You understand what I'm saying? Now, God will forgive if you will repent. But people who commit murder seldom feel good about. You know what I'm saying? They might feel good for a minute. But they, if once God makes them aware of it, it's hard to shake that off of you. You got me? So we must also bear the image of the heavenly man, like we said when, when, when we began. If God made us in his image to rule over the earth and the life in it, then he also gives us the ability to do it. Amen. So God's image also includes the ability to be responsible with everything that this earth has in it. The money, the wealth, God gives man the ability to be responsible over those things. Now, whether we do it or not depends on how much God is in us to help us manage these things. If we don't allow God to give us the ideas, help us with the management, et cetera, et cetera, it will not last. It'll fall under the curse. So that's why you see many people, you'll see very wealthy people amass wealth in their generation and then die and leave it to the kids and it's gone in no time why the the god of this world finds a way to take it back and if they're not in christ and under the dominion and the power of the blood of jesus then that's going to evaporate anyway because of the curse it just doesn't last very long because of that so god wants what he has for us to be everlasting amen everlasting The word image really means a semblance, a similarity, and it doesn't say in which way. But image really means that there is a similarity or a semblance. And man is the only one, only created thing that bears the semblance of God. Angels don't have it. Other lower animals don't have it. You know, these religions that tell you uh, you started out as a cockroach and you got to have another reincarnation to come back. That's just such ignorance. 
you know, and the devil perpetrates that stuff because what he wants to keep away from you is who you really are. If he ever let you know you're made in God's image, the first thing you want to do is step on him. I know that was the first thing I wanted to do. It, it, to be in, in an image also means a mirror-like representation of something. So if we stood in front of a mirror and saw a reflection of some things of God, what would that look like? Now, if you're talking about Jesus, of course, we know he came in human form. But there was a soul first in a spirit. And so where we are like God is in our spirit for sure and in our soul. And our soul has all kinds of attributes to it. So what God is doing when he is is conforming us and doing a good work in us is an inner work. It's an inner transformation. It's a moral transformation that he is making in his people. He wants us to increase in a moral sense. He's not, listen, we have had too much teaching in Christianity on how to receive this world's goods. And it's left most of us frustrated with God because we ain't got him yet. And guess what? For most of us, they ain't coming. Because he tells us very clearly in his word to be content with such things as you have. Godliness with contempt. Godliness is always first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Godliness. So we are, he is take, doing a moral transformation in us. He couldn't be after the world's goods because they ain't coming with us. That's how God can promise that the meek shall inherit the earth and not sweat it. Did you hear what I said? He said the meek shall inherit the earth and he ain't sweating about it. You know why? Because he's the one in charge of the inheritance. He's the one who determines if you qualify as meek or not. And when he says you inherit the earth, he knows exactly what that means and we're trying to find out. So you can't go and claim, we, listen, we are the Christians are the final heirs of everything in this world. And we ain't jumping up and down about it. Or we shouldn't be. Why? Because we always ha- we already have what's most important. We have him. If you got the one who owns everything, why are you excited about the things? I'm not against, come on, prosperity teaching, whatever that means. I'm not against us living and having stuff. But I, what I am against is that people will easily put it, if they're mature, they will easily put it above what God is really doing. The work he's really doing in us will take a back burner to going out and pursuing stuff. Stuff is supposed to chase after us. If you stay easy to locate by God, you'd have it. Huh? If he knew where you were at all times, you'd have it without fail. Why we don't get it, we move. 
Guess who's moving us? The <laughs> devil. Huh? You get you better go. <clears throat> Don't do, he can see your stuff coming after you and he get push up push it out the way and get behind you. You know what you better do now. You better you can't be waiting on God this long. I'm gonna go find you somebody. That's what you got too. Somebody. An image is, is a resemblance, we said. An image actually assumes a prototype from which it was derived. So there's something similar to you, but much greater, perfect, without flaw, without, there's nothing wrong with the prototype. And so the image was created similar to But because it was created by the prototype, we don't know what's missing and we don't know what's lacking and we don't know what yet needs to be done because we're not the original, we're the copy. So that puts you in, in subjection to the original. It puts you dependent on the, the original. It puts you in, in a lower position than the original, but with very similar capabilities. And sometimes in very similar capabilities cause us more trouble than what we really lack. You got me? You'll take a, a very similar capability and try to build it up. up, 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 up. Huh? You know, people ask us, you know, I know they're curious about how we run the ministry. And I tell people, I say, well, our ministry is the ministry of the watchman. And, and we focus on the watchman as part of the prophet's office. Now, that confuses most because when people think prophet, they think you prophesy. Well, do you let the people prophesy? I say, sure, if God has something. But I made up my mind about some some things. I don't push. I don't promote, I don't pressure, and I don't prevent. So if you have a word from God, I I won't prevent it, but I'm not going to sit up here and try to make you get a word. I don't push you. I don't try to make you have something. I don't pressure you. You understand? And I don't prohibit you. I don't tell you, well, unless you're just wrong. You know, some people, some people just get up wrong. You know what I'm saying? Thus saith the Lord, shut up. That ain't, you know what I'm saying. But, but, but it, it, we have a nice flow here. Do any of you feel like I don't want you to tell me what you think God is saying? Well, some of y'all do and you ain't admitting it. <laughs> but if you think you have a word from God, you can come and tell me. See, that's where we had a problem. Huh? It's authority. They don't want it to be checked out. Well, you don't know everything. No, but I know what you got. He gave me that much sense. (laughs) Huh? Now, if it's cool, we want to hear it. But we're not the type who push you. That's why we got everybody on Facebook's a prophet. See, this is why we have that. Because they've been in an atmosphere where people pressure them to be able to hear. I don't pressure you. 
because then I'd be bigger than God because he don't pressure you either. You got something, let's hear it. But let me tell you this much just as an aside. If you do have something from God, it will be demonstrated in the everyday things he gives you to do. Now, you ain't sitting around cooking up words from God, great prophecies, and you can't even take care of your house and buy a car and clean. You you understand what's, come on now. Let's be God-like everywhere. He made me do it. The word dominion really means to to bring something into subjection. To bring bring the earth to harness the earth, you know. That's why you'll see a lot of times people inventors who keep at certain things, keep at certain things. That's the godlikeness on the inside of them. That that they know somehow it's possible to for this thing to happen, and so the godlikeness in them allows them the grace to be able to keep doing it over and over and over again. You look at some of the great inventors. Edison, they said, had over a thousand patents under his name. Most of them, but he still kept at it. There must have been something he was looking to create and never was able to get it. So your God likeness will, will manifest itself in that way. Very oftentimes we see sometimes people who keep trying and things over and over and over again. And, and, and those are, that's the kid in the family that the parents roll their eyes up in the head. <laughs> At it again. <laughs> but have you ever stopped to consider there may be, <laughs> I know it's just, some people think it's a far, but that might be a God likeness in them that has not found the original to match the image they see themselves doing on the inside of them. That's got to be considered. Some of the people we think is screwballs and not, you know, really this and that and the other. They're, they're still seeking something inside. I can remember people would insult me. Oh boy, what are you doing now? Back in school again, trying something else, trying something else. Well, I had to exhaust all of the possibilities of finding the match until I got saved. And that's when I found the match. Now, see, unless you're willing to bring that person to God so they don't criticize them. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're holding them up to a false standard. Because there's something in them that they've got to find a match for so they can be content in who they are. You know, there's something inside of me that nobody understands. I don't understand it, but it's in me anyhow. And it needs to find something. I need to find something to help me make it make sense to me. I'm not a fluke. I'm not an accident. I'm not. It'll shock you. The people that that get on drugs and and commit suicide and all this kind of stuff have not found that match for that godlike thing that's on the inside of them many times, folks. Parents will take them to rehab instead of take them to church. Looking for that something in there that will reassure them who they are. Once you find God, stay with him. Don't keep 
being a mismatch everywhere. You understand what I'm saying? Just go ahead and do the obvious thing that God is calling you to do. A word, a Hebrew word for subdue is kabosh. Everybody knows that. Hmm? They put the kabosh on that. It means they subdued it, brought it under subjection, controlled it. That's what God wants us to do with everything he gives us. Don't let it run you. You run it. You have the ability to, to regulate your body to perform the way it's supposed to perform in God. You don't need steroids. You, <laughs> I should say, I shouldn't say this, but a gym membership. Get your gym going in your, I mean, if God says do that, do it, but get your gym going in your, your prayer closet first. You understand what I'm saying? Learn how to respond to the good work that he's doing in you and cooperate with him. We always scared we gonna miss something if we give what God 100%. Trust me, you ain't missing nothing. Huh? You look at that television and see what people in the world are doing. Trust me, does that look like you missing something important? Romans 9:21. We shall go there. I'm I'm getting too passionate here as they say. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm just I don't know. Okay, Romans 9. I hate this because I see so many people and I'm not saying I know their potential. They have all this greatness locked up. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about just paying attention to the obvious that God is shouting at you. You know what I'm saying? Just listen to God long enough to know who you are or you go running off trying to do something. My passion is showing again. Okay. Romans nine. Nineteen. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us for who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Huh? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of mercy whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my beloved who is not my beloved. So God, the potter, has total control over the clay. Now we have a will, we have dominion, power, and authority, but under God. You don't have the right to tell God how to make you. Huh? How to form you. How to, I want this gift or I want that gift or I want, you know, work with what you got. Well, I don't feel like I have much. That's because you don't know much. If you knew God, you knew you, you know you were complete in Him. 
who is the head of all principality and power. So he can give you anything he wants to give you, but you got to know you're not lacking anything, not anything you know about, huh? Or can do anything to correct. You just have the right to let the potter do what he do. And you do what you do. Huh? The work of conforming to his image continues in us daily. Romans 9.21. Uh, 9, yeah, Romans 9.21. Did we say that already? Yeah. All right. We are shaped through stress. Just like a potter has a power over the clay. How does he, how does he form the clay? Huh? Does he say clay be made? No. The Bible says he formed man. That means he put his hands on us. Be thankful for God's hand on you. What the potter does, how would you like to get on a wheel starting out as a lump and have water thrown on you and just hands pressed on you? Well, that's what you're going through. Huh? Then you get thrown in the heat to dry out. And if you don't look right, you get smashed and broken and watered down again and pulverized and ground up, more water put in and shaped all over again. You got me? The one thing that the people who make pottery said that the potter's hand is a very light touch. That's why we can't feel what's going on. But we can feel the stress of not having the freedom to go here and go there and get free from the potter's wheel. See, the only time you feel his hand is when you try to step out of the process and go your own way. And you'll feel his hand of restraint pulling you back under his authority and his hand of protection pulling you away from that which is drawing you away. Whatever draws you away from God ain't good, folks. You got to understand that. But but in pottery making, the lighter the potter's touch on the clay is, the more skilled he is. So the potter's fingertips and his touch mold the clay almost without the clay even knowing it's there. And when if the potter's work is excellent, you won't find a fingerprint on there. You know when you know if you got a fingerprint or not? After it's dried and after it's being finished and painted, that little fingerprint will show up there. And it becomes imperfect because of man's handprint on it. Same thing with us. The more man's handprints are on us, the more imperfect we are. The more you love the world and conform and compromise and conform to the, I got to have this. You don't understand that's my friend. fellowship does light have with darkness that's what i don't know huh no i don't understand that and i'm glad for your sake and my sake that i don't all i understand is what god tells us we're supposed to have you understand i discipline myself to only accept that truth i got friends three of them father son holy spirit they are so much company Oh, they are so much company. Huh? <laughs> Conforming to his word continues. Part of it's our responsibility. If you feel like you're 
out of shape, out of sorts, go to the word. Get an understanding of what you need to feed yourself on so you can be washed and perfected. We're undergoing moral perfection. God shapes us as a potter does a piece of clay on the wheel. We have challenges, though. Challenges to the process. You know, the only thing that can happen is you stop it. You consent and stop it. God wants us to develop because there is a stress on the world that has come into the world because of immaturity in the church. Not enough responsibility among God's people to do his will. And us just getting drawn away from by the world. In Romans 8, 20, 18. So the Apostle Paul is talking about present sufferings. Now he knew about imprisonings, physical sufferings for the sake of Christ. Everybody that's in jail is not there because Jesus, they love Jesus so much and somebody got, it's some thugs in there. It's some ne'er-do-wells in there. It's, it's some family trees sitting up in prison. You understand what I'm saying? They don't know nothing but prison. And so we've got to understand that Paul was in prison for the sake of the gospel. And he had to endure it. He knew. Going into a city, if he opened his mouth in the synagogue where he's going to wind up, and he did it anyway. And so for him to say that the present sufferings are not worthy to be, I mean, he wasn't going on a pity party everywhere he went. These accounts that he gave are not for us to feel sorry for him. He wasn't complaining to the churches. Like you see some of these pastors on Facebook. My people don't. I said, don't be talking about them. Ain't your people, number one. Maybe that's where the problem is. They don't belong to you. They belong to God. Where are we at? Romans 8, like I said. I had to keep my place, Miss Pat. I must have my. Okay, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You don't know my situation, Barb. You don't know mine either. So we call ourselves even in that respect. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. King James says the manifestation of the sons of God. So all of creation is waiting for us to let God shape us upright. They're waiting on us. To quote unquote get our act together. Or whatever the problem is. See this will answer. uh, This would be a good speech at the United Nations. For these people who are afraid about global warming. You know every generation has its boogeyman. Has its end of the world story. Lie that's being told. When I was a kid it was a Martian invasion. You know if you go to nursing homes today you probably still find tin hat people waiting for the Martians to come and invade the world. Huh? So every generation is going to so this generation it's the the global warming and we're destroying the earth just by breathing every day. So this is why life is not valued as much as it used to be. Discipline isn't valued. 
life in the womb is not valued. I mean, there's a lot of sin piled up. And so that's what the writer is saying here. Creation is groaning. It's in pain because the, the children of God don't really demonstrate the moral character that God needs his people to demonstrate every single day that they live so that creation can survive and not be destroyed by crazy people with a bunch of legislation and crazy rules. Every day, people are running down to Congress with more bills. You know who writes most of them? Corporations. Donors. And they're giving the people we elect, get out in the polls, work hard, and do that. I'm not saying don't do it. But you got to add some prayer to that because you don't know what they're going to do after you send them down there. And that's why many people don't care. They don't get engaged. They don't even understand things. But God's changing that. Why? Because that's part of the manifestation of the sons of God, that we be people of knowledge, that we be people who are discerning. You know, when people are working for the things God works and when they're working against the things God works. But see, we'll never manifest. You know why? Because the devil keeps us busy, worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Huh? I got to get some more insurance uh, uh, warranties. So my car don't break down. Because if my car break down, I got to go to work. I'm going to go to work. Don't do this. Don't do that. Number fear all the time. Instead of peaceably serving God in faith and knowing that whatever you need will be added to you. It's really not a thing to pursue. It's an add to. When you think about it. Is that not an easy life? That's why the devil's always monkeying with stuff that belongs to us. Huh? Mess with your car. I, I know I told y'all this, this before. My car is, what, 22 years old or something like that? Try that bad boy everywhere. I'm not ashamed of my car. And every now and then something will go through my mind and say, Suppose this thing stopped on you in the middle of nowhere. It's it's 22 years old. And I said, then angels will bear me up. But it ain't breaking down, devil, okay? So I'm not transferring my faith from it's going to work reliably over into the breakdown. Huh? I did that. I do that with every car I own. I did that with that little, my little, who's got, Becky's got that car now. My little gold I made Pastor Shirley ride in it when I just got it. I said, how do you like my new car? She was like, <laughs> using the outer limits. I saw this is just my car for up here in Detroit. Just God just told me to do it. You understand what I'm saying? I ain't trying to be extravagant. I do things because it's necessary. But that little car, the, everybody's used that little car. And it's still running. Why? I had total faith that that car is going to continue to run. Huh? Now, I don't look at the outside. If I look at the outside, I'd be embarrassed. Huh? But I tell people, I say, oh, honey, this is my Detroit car. My Cleveland car is older than this one. <laughs> huh? Telling you. Listen, honey, I lived in bondage to poverty long enough to know I ain't going back there no more. Huh? I ain't going back there no more. Huh? 
I don't need a car to feel new car every year or three years or whatever to feel comfortable I can get somewhere. But you know, people say, well, she don't have a job. Huh? I'm in my job now. Excuse me? I work, baby. Always have work. And beg my husband for his. I had the real job. He had the natural job. That's the way I look at it. I'm sorry if that offends people. Honey, I work all the time. There is not a time I'm not talking to God about something, somebody. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I does it. (laughs) I know and I does it. (laughs) So Paul says creation. Listen, global warming, whatever they want to call it, that mess up. Is because Christians need to get it together and start manifesting the power of God throughout the earth. Prophesying to trees, prophesying to rivers, prophesying to, you understand what I'm saying? But see, you won't get that if you're sitting at home worried about, you know, uh, the uh, what housewife. It ain't real or not. We got more real housewives to look at. Huh? I don't even know who's on. Is Nene still on there? She she used to be. But see, they looking to get rich too. They use that as a stepping stone to mow money if they can get it. Huh? Everybody's looking for the same thing. They're, they're without just like we are sometimes, even more so. Because they think they got it made because they're on television. Got news for them. So he says creation groans waiting for us for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. So God put us under the put put the, the, the birds of the sea, the trees, the fowls of the air, all that stuff under our dominion in the hope that we would come back to him and start manifesting the way we're supposed to in the earth. So everybody's subject to us that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So when we start manifesting the power of God, we start loving one another the way Christ loved us. We start going out and preaching the gospel, healing the sick, cleansing lepers, raising the dead. Creation rejoices. We set the trees free. Huh? We set the forest free. We set the oceans free. We set everything free because the glory of God perfects everything. There, creation is waiting on us to quit sitting around trying to figure out who's the head bishop somewhere and having church elections for, to put a robe on somebody that really a lot of robes aren't that flattering, you know, just between me and you. I mean, it's awkward little things they put on their heads, and I just, I wouldn't wear it. <laughs> but then that's just me. Far be it from me to keep you from your bishopric. Whatever they call it. Whatever. For, for first person, precious prelit. Prelit? I'm a prelit product. Put a Okay. Anyway. 
me see. Where was I? Verse. Uh, okay. Verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right into the present. In other words, what's wrong with the earth is that the people of God don't manifest his glory. At least not enough to help the deterioration that's continually going on. And then we get up stupid and join the other side. Over nothing. Over stuff God already told us we have. Now the devil's telling us it's not ours and we can't have it. As if we don't have it. See it becomes a little mind game after a while of. Can I deceive you enough like I did the woman in the garden deceive you enough into thinking you weren't made in God's image so that I can tear you down further. See, that's when you forget you're godlike. that's your first step in the tear down. And see, so you forget who you are and then the devil's able to take you down further. Huh? When you like the company of sinners, you've forgotten who you are. When you crave fellowship with people who don't follow God, you've forgotten who you are. Huh? When you start more identifying the color of your skin than your spirit inside of you, you've forgotten who you are. Ouch, Barb, that hurt. You don't know what. Shut up. And I don't want to know. See, so we don't have to go no further in that conversation. He says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit. See, we have an installment of the Holy Ghost. That's why people in the Baptist church shout. They're shouting for more. Because now, I, oh, that's my installment. I want more. I want the whole thing. But see, we can't have it right now. You can't have it until Jesus is ready to present all of that to you. But we cry out for more of that little precious installment that made us quicken. And we got excited and we shouted and we want to tell everybody in the whole church that God just touched me. That's all that's about, folks. That's all that's about. And he says we groan. We're groaning on the inside of us inwardly. And we await eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Anybody who's really saved understands that the only thing that's holding you back from true contentment in your life is this crappy earth suit. That's why it deteriorates year by year. I hate to say it. I hate mine is being renewed, though. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That ain't quite true. Paul says your outer man is perishing, but your inner man is being. That's why you feel good. That's why you feel renewed. That's why you can get up and do something every now and then. Huh? For the glory of God. Because you know that inside of you, that, that there's, there's, a, this thing that keeps us, that we love so much, we want to take all them selfies and put them on Facebook. This thing is worth nothing. It's crap. It's what's keeping us away from God in the fullness. Huh? Just like, I don't know if I should say this or not. Kids sleep. They done woke up back there. Huh? But it's a shedding of the outer restriction to your intimacy with God. That's what we're trying to do here. 
That's why married people take their clothes off in front of each other. Because that clothing keeps you from intimacy. Right, Poppy? See? (laughs) Poppy says I'm right. That's why Jesus likens his love for us to that of a husband to a wife. Because we know the restrictions. And then after you get the clothes off, you want to know more about them again. You understand there's something preventing us. Your soul and your flesh prevent you from the closeness that you are destined to have with God. This this earth body keeps us from the intimacy and the closeness. I want to see him. I want to be like him. I want to see what I'm supposed to be if I was perfect like I'm supposed to be. And that's what we crave. But he's working on it. Amen. Your outer man is perishing, but your inner man is being renewed every day. Every day. Every day we get a new installment of who we are and who he is. And we like it. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. We thank you for the good things that you're doing in.